I'm Ian McLean, and this is the Behind the Business Podcast, brought to you by the Greater Kitchener-Waterloo Chamber of Commerce and Manulife. It's recorded on the traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The Behind the Business Podcast is where I sit down with local leaders and deep dive into the issues, the interests, and the inside perspectives about what matters most to businesses in Waterloo Region. Thanks for listening to this episode as we get a view behind the business. Before I introduce today's guest, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors for today's episode. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our title sponsor, Manulife, and our platinum sponsor, the Immigration Partnership of Waterloo Region. So joining me today on the Behind the Business podcast is Allison Burke, and she is the owner and founder of Oxford Learning Waterloo. So thanks so much for joining us today, Allison. Thanks for having me in. This podcast is really about business owner and leadership, but it's about the journey as well. So you are an entrepreneur, you own your own business, but you're also a community volunteer. Tell us about you and your journey in both your professional and, and community work. Well, I thought I would teach kindergarten in the school board my whole life, at least uh, when I was younger. And then I ended up teaching English in Japan. And I did a lot in the community that I lived in in Japan as well, volunteered at some local school and then worked at an English school, came back here and slowly started to work my way up through all the roles in Oxford and ended up being able to purchase it. And then, and through purchasing the company, my dad had always encouraged me to be a member of the chamber. So I ended up joining the chamber probably 11 or 12 years ago now and being members of a bunch of different committees, ended up on the board at one point. And it's just a great opportunity to be able to meet other business owners and then get out into the community in a different way. So how old were you when you made the the choice to go and live abroad and start your journey as an educational professional? Yeah, to not let how old I am out of the bag, because I identify as a different... No, no, I said how old were you when (laughs) you started? That's the important Uh, part of that. No, for sure. Um, I had just finished university, so I was about 24. This is 24 and I was in Japan for a couple of years before I came back. Wow. That's trying something new and moving somewhere, you know, certainly overseas. Doesn't matter that it's uh, Japan being probably more westernized than many other places, but that's still, uh, that's still a big, big step to go. Yeah. uh, And I didn't know anybody. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. You said you've always wanted to be a, a kindergarten teacher. So Pursuing your career in education sounds like it was something that was uh, always in your mind. But how did you how did you get to know Oxford Learning? Is that is that just as you came back from doing your overseas work, looking for that opportunity, or or how did you get connected to Oxford? Yeah, I kind of stumbled upon it in a way. I had always volunteered in like my former kindergarten teachers' classes, growing up and through school and university, and I did my early childhood education, and so. When I was uh, looking to come back from Japan, I was looking at a job posting. I don't remember what site anymore. Probably doesn't exist. And I came across teaching a preschool, junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten program at Oxford. And so I came back on December 15th, I remember. And I had that job by December 20th. Started right after the Christmas break and not really left since then. It's been almost 19 years now. So kind of fell back into it but because I had my early childhood education and I had experience teaching kindergarten I was able to teach our kindergarten program. How did you do that transition? You now are you know you own the facility, you're business owner. How did that transition work? I mean that's that's one of the many ways that that people start their own business, they buy a business, they 
work in the business and transition. Don't want you to describe that because that's it, it's always a different story and it's always a little unique to to the person involved. How you kind of went from being and I don't say just an employee, but an employee mm-hmm. to owning and and being the entrepreneur. Yeah, I think I'm definitely better business owner than an employee. I was blessed to have an employer who gave me a lot of autonomy, but helped me learn different aspects of the business along the way. So I am known to have lots of different ideas and I'm very much a yes person. Yes, we can do that. And then figure out how to do that, which sometimes stresses my current employees out. But back when I was that employee, if I if I could figure it out and try to do it, Larry Pickles was his name. He just allowed me to run with it. And he and he just gave me a really great place to land because it was a safe space as an employee. Mm-hmm. And then when he was kind of ready to leave, he had approached me. At the time, I wasn't sure I could do it financially, but we figured it out and we actually did a vendor take back. And if you have a great opportunity with your employer, for those that don't know, it's sort of like a mortgage where you yeah. you own it, but you're paying payments over a five-year span. And I was really grateful that he trusted me enough. We had a good enough relationship to allow me that opportunity over five years. That's kind of how I came to take over. Well, and that's, that's again, I mean, we go down down that road there's always different ways of making these transactions and mm-hmm. these transitions work and usually when it's a uh, when it's in both people's interest to have that that trust relationship it can be very successful yeah. uh, let's talk about education i mean you know my you know i've got, I've got my brother and sister-in-law were were teachers for almost 30 years each i can tell you just from hearing from them in the in the public education system Lots of changes happened over the years. Let's maybe think about what the, some of those trends are that you're identifying. Because you're seeing, I mean, when people are coming to Oxford, they've, they've presumably gone to school of some description during the day. This is supplementary. This is this is tutoring. It's it's giving them additional skills to be successful at all ages. You you have all ages. Yeah. But what are some of those trends? Are there are there some overarching trends that you are seeing and affecting kids and in, in their education? Yeah. And I think there's some trends that have kind of come in play that will both affect kids negatively and positively, right? So it's the same how we look at social media. It's uh, technology is one of those things. So it definitely comes into play and has been in play for a really long time. And there's pros and cons to that. And, and the pro is that it does help reach kids in in a different fashion because teachers can pop stuff up on say Google Classroom or there's a couple other different ones that certain schools use. But with that, the challenge then becomes it became a replacement for paper agendas. And it's not an agenda, it's a to-do list. And so it then took away that opportunity to have a little bit more of a physical check-in and how to teach them to use their time a little better. And so at Oxford, we've kind of actually kept to that pencil paper where we're trying to encourage them to still plan out tests and projects and kind of keep track of that or get in the habit of looking at your Google Classroom and planning ahead because nobody looks backwards, but it doesn't actually act as an agenda or a planner. It acts as a to-do list. So there's both pros and cons there when it comes to that side of technology. AI is a real thing. And we need to get ahead of that. And so at Oxford, we've really learned 
how students are trying to use it so that I can tell if they've used it to write an essay mm-hmm. so that we still force them to edit it independently as opposed to just using that technology. I think it's a great tool, but it shouldn't be a replacement. Those are kind of some of the main areas where I think it's really affecting classroom teachers as well, because they've got a lot on their shoulders and they can't necessarily teach to every last individual child, which is what we're able to do. No, I'm actually interested in this. I remember a hundred years ago when I was writing essays at university, it would be going and by and large, getting books, reading, kind of figuring out what you thought on a certain subject, what your thesis was going to be. But you had original, you actually had the books in your hand and you would be able to read and say, here's a quote that supports my, or a a passage that supports my, my point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're sort of at the point where there's a lot less of, of actually having something in your hands. You're searching on Google, you're finding online tools, which, you know, it's a great tool, but when you layer an AI and say, you know, write me a paragraph on the American civil war, it's not clear to me that what, what is, cause it's searching the internet. It's not necessarily thinking original data. It could be pulling from anywhere. The kids realize that. And, and how do you, I mean, it's great that you kind of say you can sort of tell when they're using AI, but I think for a parent kind of going, how do we even help them and understand that AI is not a substitute for figuring out how to critically think and source material? Is that sort of one of those tools that you're helping kids to understand that it's important to know what the process is, not yeah. just what the answer is? Yeah. And I think so when when kids are at Oxford specifically, the work that they're doing is based at their level and they're doing a lot of comprehension work as a whole. So they're reading a passage actually with their eyeballs and paper and then talking with their teacher about what they've read, actually having to physically write what it was about to be able to gauge their comprehension. And so when it comes to if they've relied on AI for something at school, that then at least it's bridging the gap between understanding what is actually pulling from the internet. There's some really great teachers in the school board that are instructing the kids about that, right? That you need to know where your sources are coming from. And yes, Wikipedia might have the odd decent point, but that is not where we are sourcing all of our information from because John in his basement who finished grade four might've written Wikipedia. So we want to make sure that they're they're pulling from accurate sources online. And, and so when we have our students that are a little bit older, that are writing essays and doing projects, we do work with them on that because we work on those learning skills and study skills. I try and get away from, from everything being related to what happened during COVID. But a COVID, sure. I think, for in a lot of ways, and we know this from it, it identified the flaws or the or the, the fissures in healthcare and and in a variety of different public services, but it also changed a lot of things for business. And so when you think about, I think you describe it as supplemental education or tutoring, or you know, it's it's outside of the the, the full education system. How has it changed? I mean, it, it, are you seeing? More like online, obviously, that's you. That was a thing for quite a long period of time, for a better part of three years on and off. How did it change your business and people's perception of how they can get that supplementary education uh, help for their kids? 
Yeah, so pre-pandemic, there I saw an increase in extra support for a boost. People were starting to, it was less stigmatized, at least here in North America. I was never stigmatized overseas. But the idea of, oh, I'm going to ha- get some extra help to get the boost, to get the scholarship and so forth. Since the pandemic, the, the expectations placed on classroom teachers, placed on students, and the gap that's just increased in students' comprehension and learning, I'm seeing people reach out more because of, of gaps and, and weaknesses versus that boost. Uh, I still have the boost clients, but they're much less than they were pre-pandemic at this point in time. And Everybody and their sister is is trying to start a tutoring company these days. And it could be some good extra cash on the side, but there's something to be said for knowing how the kids learn and having your own curriculum that's based on Canadian curriculum and something that's from this region for the students in our boards. So I, I do find that that has definitely been an influx. In and everybody just trying to make a buck off of tutoring. And that to me can actually be a scary thing if they don't really know what they're doing. And it is, I mean, in some ways, some things we know that work at home has become a permanent feature mm-hmm. for many businesses, not all, but but a big chunk of, of businesses. Uh, you know, if you're not in hospitality or retail or some front facing businesses, there's a lot more of working at home is a a significant portion of of many businesses are you still of the view i mean can you do online or is that part of your array of of options for your clients and and if if so what would be that percentage because i think a lot of business owners that would listen to this and say oh i'm not in education but you say yeah but you know what the world changed for me too during covid how are you adjusting to the whatever new normal is, but the the changing normal that is here as a result uh, on the other side of COVID. Yeah, so we do have an online platform at Oxford. My location doesn't have a lot of kids online. It's in person. It's definitely a different dynamic than when you're in person. Can you get something out of online and increase your skills? Yes, but I do not think it is as beneficial as being in person. Just even for us doing a podcast, you know, doing it over Zoom, you're seeing visual cues. It's it's the same idea when you're there. Sometimes certain kids need a little tap on the hand to bring their focus back and a high five for encouragement. You're, it's not the same when you're just doing that over a screen. So we do have the online option. It is definitely very convenient. Do I think parents get the most out of their dollar online versus in person? Absolutely not. And I do tell the clients if they call and ask me that, I'm very, very upfront about that. But it is a good alternative for people who can't bridge the gap from a distance perspective. I think that makes a huge difference for them and it can be beneficial. At Learners, your business is our priority. Regardless of your industry or the size of your business, you can rely on us for legal advice on everything from corporate governance to incorporation and trademark protection. To find out how learners can help you, visit learners.ca or call 519-778-8585. That's 519-778-8585. Let's switch gears a little bit. One of the things, and you you come by this honestly, but I I don't remember a time since I've known you that you've not been involved in, in the community as a community volunteer, as a sponsor, as a 
donor to various different parts. So, I mean, I think obviously I got to know you from your work at the chamber and being, well, first of all, being just an active participant and coming to events and programs that, that we would put on, got involved in the, in the board, but you've been involved in other community initiatives. I think, you know, you're a big supporter of the KW Titans basketball team and you're involved in a lot of other charities or not-for-profits or community organizations. Talk a little bit about as an entrepreneur and that's, that is a, you know, you're running a small business, which means you're, chief cook and bottle washer, you're doing everything from payroll to, you know, trying to get new clients to making sure your staff are there to support your, the kids that are coming in and everything in between. But you're also putting and finding time to be a booster for the, the community. Talk a, a little bit about how you kind of manage that, because it's something that I think you do because it's, you know, my view is you do it because you think it's important, but you still have to manage that time and the effort that you're putting into both. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you for the acknowledgement. I I do it. Yes, because I do think it's important. I think there needs to be a level of visibility as a business owner and, and a genuine curiosity for people. And I, and I do genuinely have that. I like to meet new people. I like to see how I can help them learn more about what they're doing. And I think you can't do that if you're just sitting in your office. And I've always said too about just the chamber in regards to the all the events, you get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to events, yeah, you know what? Your monthly fee is, is not going to mean much. And I think that doing all of those things as a whole can be challenging and sometimes I'm tired. And But I, I do think it's important. And I have a really good team at the center that allows me to go out and do that. And I will bring some of them out with me every now and then. And I've, as a business owner, taken a pay cut every now and then because I need to make sure I'm paying people to be at the center so that I can still go out and and be in the community. And I think those are things as business owners that not everybody understands and people don't want to talk about, but that's a real thing. Sometimes you're not always bringing in the cash that you'd like to bring in, but you still want to see things grow. So you have to still make those sacrifices. Everyone always says it, but I think small business owners get it in a way that larger business don't is if you don't have your people, you don't have your business and, you know, it, it, taking care of, of your staff. I mean, I see that in the chamber. I've got a great, you know, it's not very big staff, but 15 staff, it's them that makes the chamber work, not me. So mm-hmm. it's important to, to make sure you've got good people around you. Listen, yeah. I mean, this podcast is as much about hearing the stories of entrepreneurs like, like yourself and appreciate that. But it's also about kind of leadership and the journey and sort of perspectives on all of those things. So I always ask a fairly similar set of questions because I think it's important to kind of get those those different perspectives. If you were to tell your younger self one thing, what what would it be? I mean, either don't do this or you know avoid this pitfall or maybe reinforcing something that that you you did that was really important and you if you'd done more you would have been more successful but what would you what would you tell your younger self with the benefit of hindsight Mm, i would say to keep blazing my own path i would i wouldn't change anything as cliche as it sounds i mean there's been some pretty low lows and there's some really great highs and i blaze my own path and i've lost people that couldn't handle it but i've gained those that lift me up and i think that that is important and that's, yeah, that's what I would tell myself. That is important, especially have surrounding you, yourself with people who support that, uh, that approach to, to both life and to business. As you look back, it's hard sometimes 
we're we're still close enough to COVID that when I ask this question, it doesn't have to be about the last three years. But but if you if you think back and say, what has been your greatest lesson that has served you in your you know as you as you've grown up and as you've worked through your initial parts of your career to where you are today, what what what's the greatest lesson that you've yourself think has has benefited you? I think my nieces and nephews have actually been my greatest lesson in watching them grow up and actually realizing on a more intimate scale how much what we say to ourselves is reflected in the younger generation around us. And, you know, at work, you have a filter on every now and then because there's kids and sometimes adults say bad words. So you need to watch that. And I know you're encouraging, but when you're outside of that work atmosphere, and I'm sure a lot of parents feel this too, is, you know, you watch them fail and those words you say of, oh, it's okay. Like, what did we learn from this? And it's cliche to say, I've learned from failure. I have, of course I have. But to watch them and encourage them to keep moving forward from their failure, I think is that's the most important thing is that they mirror what we do and they watch what we do. And now as they're kind of getting, some of them are getting into like that preteen is where I'm really seeing it and watching that much more what I say and how I encourage them. Well, I, you know, I, I think we always, especially in science, I mean, trial and error is a thing. That's yeah. So you say, yeah. You try this, and you say you're gonna. Most of the time, you're gonna get it wrong, but you'll settle on what how do you, how you get it right. I don't think we're as gentle with ourselves as entrepreneurs or as parents or uh, as yeah. you know in the other roles we have in life. So that's uh that's in, that's an important one is is uh, you know, that notion of remembering that people are watching uh, how you not only treat others but treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Listen, okay, this is one I'm always fascinated because it it covers a wide swath. Who or what has inspired you on your journey? Well, my students, I think in general, just I'm surrounded by so many different personalities. I I do find it inspiring, all the different personalities. My dad is also such a suck. My dad inspires me. He's just a great human. He does a lot of things. And at his age, he's tried new things. And I always think he's a really progressive old guy. (laughs) And so I, and I love the stuff he does. And honestly, the previous versions of myself. I just think it's so important to be changing, mm-hmm. you know, to be 1%, at least 1% better every day. If I'm the same as I was yesterday, I'm not doing it right. I, I really just truly think that as humans and the amount of information we have at our fingertips and the people we can engage with, we can always create a new version of ourselves that's better. And that looking at older versions of myself being like, damn, last month's Allison would be so proud of this month's Allison. And I always want that to be a thing. That's good food for thought. I mean, we, it is one of those things that there's a reason that your windscreen is like 10 times the size of your rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you still have a rear view mirror so you can yeah. see what, what you've, what you've gone past. So it's uh, very helpful. Where do you think we'll be in three or four years looking ahead well i definitely hope the two-way all day go every day that you've been yeah. for happens because i'm with you be, that would be tremendous a fully community-owned basketball team for the titans i know we're on our way i just think it's phenomenal and the attendance has been getting better every game when people realize if people realize how lucky we are to have both a hockey team and a professional basketball team here i think it's going to do amazing I'd love to see some kind of city funding 
continually for small businesses in some capacity. I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but whether it be a little bit more of helping newer businesses grow, you know, celebrating ones that have been in the community for X number of years and being able to celebrate that with some kind of grant. And maybe we already have that and I don't know about it, but then that just speaks to the fact that we need to do a better job of letting people know. So kind of those few things, I think we'll continue to build our diversity as a community as well, which I think we need that. Well, it's uh, it's going to be interesting in the shape of our new community. It's going to take everyone's input and everyone's energy, so uh, in, including yours. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. We are always, uh, uh, I'm always thrilled to have these conversations and share some of the unique stories that are not only in Waterloo Region, but certainly inside the chamber. So really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Ian. All right, that does bring us to the end of today's episode. Thanks once again to our title sponsor, Manulife, and our platinum sponsor, the Immigration Partnership of Waterloo Region. Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Behind the Business podcast. Be sure to tune in for the remainder of the series as we explore significant, insightful, and relevant topics that concern local businesses in Waterloo Region. Because if it's important to business, then it's important to us.